Welcome to another great message by Pastor Adrian Wright, lead pastor at Anchor Church. We pray this message will encourage, inspire, and transform your life. Our heart is to share the hope of Jesus with our city and nation. So today I'm I'm starting a new series. I'm starting this series called This Is Why. And we're going to share some testimonies and some amazing stories of things that God has done at Anchor Church in the past five years that we have existed, but also that God has always been doing. Our story is not a new story. It's just a continuation of this story, the story that Jesus is writing, the story that God is writing, the story of redemption, the story of renewal, the story of God setting all things right, hope and faith and life and all those things coming together in the person of Jesus. And it's something that we get to experience uh, as individuals, as families and as, com- as a community of faith. And we get to be a part of that story. We get to share that story with our city. That's why we're here. This is why. This is why we exist. This is why we do what we do. This is why we give and why we pray and why we fast and why we worship and, and why we give everything we can to see lives changed. It's an incredible thing for us to be a part of. So we're going to start our Heart for the House series today the This Is Why series, and as I mentioned, it's something that we do every year. I think it's so important, because in the madness of the world that we live in, you know, all the noise that is always being made, constantly being made around us, all the challenges that we face, all the directions that we can take, all the things that vie for our attention um, as as we go through everyday life, you know, we can get so wrapped up in that stuff that we never take a step back and think about the purpose of it all. Think about the meaning of it all. Think about the call of God in the midst of it all. And we could waste time in our lives running after things that have no eternal value rather than being a part of something eternal that God is doing in our city, in our time right now. That purpose that God has for every single person watching with us today. There's something amazing that happens in your life, in your heart, in the way that you live. The moment that you realize that you are a part of the story, that you're not on the outside, that you're not a foreigner, that you're not excluded from this, but that you have an integral part to play in what God wants to do. He's called you for that. What happens is we begin to say yes to a bigger life, a life that is focused on more than just what we can get for ourselves in a moment, but a life that is focused on everything that God wants to do through us in the lives of others. It is the most liberated way to live our lives. It is true freedom, uh, the ability to live not for ourselves, but to live for God and to live for others. We get to live lives that have impact and meaning, a life that speaks of good things, a life that makes a difference in the lives of many others. And we are looking forward to every single person that is on this journey with us, stepping into that level of living. That is life and life to the full. That is the life that Jesus came to bring us. At one point in the Psalms, David says something so so relevant to all of us and so interesting. He says, uh, as he prays to God in the Psalms, um, he asks God to return to him the joy of his salvation, the joy of the salvation he had received from God. In Psalm 51, 12, he says, Restore to me the joy of your salvation and uphold me with a willing spirit. Do you remember that moment in your life specifically when you began to realize the reality of God's love for you? 
that this wasn't just a religion, that this wasn't just some ethereal thing in the sky, that this wasn't just some general sacrifice that Jesus made, but that he loved you specifically, specifically, uniquely, and intimately, that his love and his sacrifice was for you. I remember that moment in, in my own life. Maybe that's something that you're only beginning to realize now, but for everybody that has ex ever experienced it, we all have this shared experience that we, that we had in that moment, which wasn't a sense of religious duty. It wasn't something that we said, oh, okay, yes, okay, there's duty, or an obligation to fulfill, or a commitment we felt forced to make to some you know, moral sense of behavior. It, it wasn't some forced religious thing. No, the overwhelming sense, the experience that all of us that have come to realize the love of God in our lives have had is the sense of overwhelming joy. A joy that transcends understanding, a joy that breaks down every wall, a joy that, that literally invades your life in a way that every other challenge and obstacle and thing you've been through is instantly swept aside and you are swallowed up by the goodness of God in that moment. That's an experience we've all had as we gave our lives to God. I remember when I was younger attending a youth conference and at this youth conference there was a group of guys that had invited a friend and clearly this friend wasn't into the whole Christian thing. You can kind of see him roll his eyes every now and again during worship and as the pastor got up to speak and, you know, he was disinterested and disconnected and kind of just wanted to get out of there. Like many of us were the first time we attended church. And I remember just kind of quietly watching this guy as, as the pastor went through his message and shared on what Jesus had done for us on the cross. And, and as he kind of wrapped up his message with this invitation that anybody who felt God speak to them in that moment could come to the front to cross the line of faith and to trust in Jesus for new life. And I watched this guy and, we, you know, just watching him, didn't think there was any chance that he would move forward to make such a commitment. But to my astonishment, and I think to the great astonishment of all of his friends, he started to slowly move forward out of the seats, down the aisle, and towards the front of the church. And as he was walking, he quietly began to cry. And by the time he got to the front, his cry had turned into a sob. God was clearly working on the inside of his heart, clearly speaking to him. But what I saw there, as beautiful as that moment was, the moment that came directly after, to me, was one of the most beautiful moments I've ever experienced. Because those friends that had invited him, at seeing their friend coming to the front, they themselves were overwhelmed with the sense of joy and awe and gratitude at the goodness of God. One of the friends was the guitarist on stage. And he, he took his guitar off of, off of his neck in the middle of the worship song and just put it down on the stage. He ran to the front of the stage and literally dove off the stage as he, as he fell on his friend, embraced him, and started to cry with him. Two or three other friends came out of the crowd, and they kind of just sat there together as a group of friends in tears at the joy of knowing that their friend had turned to Jesus. Now, I can tell you now that they weren't overjoyed because their friend had decided to join a religion. They weren't overwhelmed in, and in tears because they thought, oh, our friend has now made a commitment to a moral code that he can follow for the rest of his life. No, in that moment, what they realized is that their friend, who was once dead, 
who was dead in his trespasses, in his sins, like all of us were. A friend that was cut off from the life-giving relationship with God, this, this relationship that, that makes us come alive. A friend that didn't know meaning and purpose and the call of God on his life, that wasn't able to participate in things that carry eternal value. This friend who was once dead had now come to life. And they were so overjoyed that they literally dove off the stage, ran out of the crowd, embraced their friends, and wept on the floor of that youth hall together. To me, that was a glimpse of heaven. In fact, in Luke 15, where, where Jesus is sitting with people that didn't believe in God, he was sitting with sinners. He was eating with tax collectors and prostitutes and thieves, those that had, had committed all kinds of crimes. And Jesus is eating with them, and this upsets the religious people. They come to Jesus and they say, how can you eat with sinners? And Jesus begins to tell them about God's heart. He tells them about God's heart by telling them three stories of people that had lost things that were valuable and precious to them. Ultimately, Jesus was saying, people are precious to God. He cares about them. He wants to see them found. He wants to see them restored, redeemed, and renewed. And so Jesus tells the story of a shepherd that had a sheep that went missing and how he left the other 99 sheep behind to go and find the one. Even if you feel like I'm the one on the outside, Jesus cares enough about you to pursue you with his love. There was a story of, of a lady that had lost a coin and put everything in her house aside, swept everything up until she found that one coin. And the story of a father who lost a son as the son chose to take his inheritance and move off to a far away country. And there he spent his inheritance on reckless living. Jesus speaks about these people that had lost something precious to them, saying this is the heart of God. And in each of those cases, the sheep was found, the coin was found, and the lost son had come home. And Jesus talks about what happens in heaven when the lost come home. He tells us in, uh, we see it here in, in Luke 15, Jesus says in Luke 15 verse 7, just so I tell you, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who need no repentance. Luke 15, 10, just so I tell you, there is joy before the angels of God over one sinner who repents. And Luke 15, 32, in this parable of the lost son, he says, it was fitting to celebrate and be glad. For this, your brother was dead and is alive. He was lost and is found. This is the joy that erupts in heaven when one single person who didn't know Jesus comes to faith and receives new life in Christ. All of heaven erupts in celebration. There's a party in heaven every time somebody comes to know Jesus. All of heaven rejoices. And so as I think about these three or four young men on that youth hall floor, you know, on that specific day, they represented to me in that real-time moment what happens every time somebody comes to Christ in heaven. It was a glimpse of heaven. Sometimes I think that as Christians, as believers, we need to pray David's prayer, but pray it slightly differently. Instead of praying, Lord, restore to me the joy of your salvation, restore my, the joy that I had when I first got saved, 
I think we need to sometimes pray, God, restore to me the joy of seeing someone else's salvation. Restore to me the sense of awe and wonder at witnessing somebody who was once dead now being made alive. That's the incredible opportunity we have, church. This is why we get to participate in the miracle of seeing the dead come to life, of seeing the lost be found, of seeing those disconnected from God being reconciled to Him. This is an awesome pr privilege that we have. Colossians 2, 13 and 14 says, And you, who were dead in your trespasses and in the uncircumcision of your flesh, God has made you alive together with Christ, having forgiven all of your trespasses by canceling the record of the debt that stood against us with all of its legal demands. This he set aside by nailing it to the cross. We were so overjoyed when that happened for us. But how about when it happens for someone else? How about being a part of that miracle? This is an incredible opportunity that we have. Matthew 5 and verse 6, Jesus says, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. Who hunger and sense for, have a sense for the, for the, for the or hunger and thirst for the, the faithfulness of God to be seen, not just in your life, but in the lives of those around us. To see God's grace change a life. I've been privileged enough by God's grace to have seen this many times. It is still the most beautiful thing I could possibly imagine witnessing. Seeing somebody be awakened to the love that God has for them. This is a holy hunger that God has created inside all of us. God didn't create us just to go through, through a mundane life where we chase earthly things and, and get happy for a minute when something good happens, we make a bit of extra money or we you know, find the car that we always wanted or something like that and we're happy for 10 minutes and after that it's back to just mundane everyday life. No, God has created us with a bigger vision, a bigger hunger, a bigger thirst and that is to see His kingdom come, to see His righteousness, His, His will be done on earth as it is in heaven. There's an emptiness that exists when we pursue meaningless things in this life. But as we long to see God's faithfulness, we are filled, we are satisfied. Once you've tasted this, once you've seen this, once you've been a part of this in any way, it becomes something that you long for. You know, the scriptures say, taste and see that the Lord is good. Once you've tasted it and you know that He's good, it's something that you continually want to be a part of. And this means... For us as a church, for us as a community of faith, for us as a people, that we never settle, that we never give up, that we're never okay with just being comfortable, but that we're always pursuing what God wants to do in the future. As He speaks it into our hearts prophetically in the present, we can begin to pursue it for the future. We always long to see more of God's faithfulness. In our journey as a church, I've often felt caught in the tension between being ambitious and figuring out my own motives for why I want to have greater impact and greater influence in our city, why I want our church to have greater impact and greater influence. 
and just simply resting in Jesus and saying, no, I must trust in Jesus' timing for him to lead us where he wants us to go. And sometimes there's a tension where I feel like I need to be sure that I'm being faithful in pursuing those things, but also not being overly ambitious or selfishly ambitious. And so I've wrestled with my own heart in this way. And maybe when it comes to church, this is something that you've wrestled with in general. The danger, though, is when you're resting becomes settling. When you begin to choose comfort over calling, we had reached a stage in our church not long ago where I felt that we were very comfortable. We had gotten through the first five years of church planting, started from scratch. We're five years in, finances are stable, community is growing, people are are generally happy, we're comfortable. Why press on? Why press forward? Why long for more? And in my heart, I said, you know what, God, it's okay if this is what you have for me and what you have for us. But I never, it never felt comfortable, but I was at least pleased with the fact that I wasn't selfishly ambitious and I could, I could say that with more confidence. And so in that moment, I was sitting at church on a Sunday morning. Church had just finished. I was sitting in the front chair. I was having a conversation with my friend Will sitting next to me. And a guy who was attending our church for the very first time, he was from Costa Rica, ended up becoming a great part of our team since then. But on that day, it was his first Sunday ever at Anchor Church. And he walked past me. And he walked past me, he turned around and he came back. And he said to me, he said these words, he said, God is inviting you not to settle. God is inviting, and he said, you have a vision of what it means to be a part of the kingdom. And you're tempted because you want to, you, want, you don't want to push beyond what God is doing. You're tempted to settle. But today God is saying, don't settle. Stay faithful because he is going to come and do something bigger than you. And that's always been my prayer, that, that anchor wouldn't be limited by one person or even one small group of people, but that it would be bigger than all of us. And so in that moment, I got that invitation. He kind of walked away and then he turned around and came back and he said, he pointed at me and he said, and you have tasted the faithfulness of God in your life. You've tasted it and you hunger for more of it. And that is a holy hunger. I want to ask you today, do you have a holy hunger? Beyond just wanting things in this world and for yourself, do you have a holy hunger? Holy means separated for use by God. Do you have a hunger to see lives changed? Do you have a hunger to see a city shaped? Do you have a hunger to see the lost come home? Do you have a hunger to see those that are destitute be fed and be helped for mercy to be executed in our city? Do you have a hunger to see God move in our city and in our nation? And do you have a hunger to be a part of it? Because it's a holy hunger. It's a holy thing to desire to see more of the faithfulness of God at work in our city. God has invited us, church, not to settle, not to be comfortable, but to pursue the call that he has for us. And this is one of the most incredible things about God's involvement with humanity is that he chooses to use imperfect, ordinary people like us, infuse us with the power of his Holy Spirit, put his call on our lives and send us out on a journey that we do not know where it will end. But we know it's going to be good. We know it's going to be an adventure. You could look at everybody in the Bible from Abraham all the way through to Ananias, as he's called to pray for Paul. 
You could look at every person that God has ever used and it starts with an invitation to a journey, to say yes to the next step and not settle, but move on to whatever it is that God has. This is what we are a part of. We are a part of that journey. So we hunger to see changed lives, the lost found, a city shaped by the good news. And this is why. This is why we do what we do. And this is why we always press on and move forward. God brings redemption and restoration through us, through the power of Jesus and the message of Jesus in our lives. Our stories inspire others to be reunited with God. And that's the way God brings redemption to every town and city and nation. That is the way that he delivers hope and restoration. That is the way he gives life to a community. He does it by using ordinary people like you and me. The call of God will always involve stepping into the unknown. And as we as a church step into the unknown, we hear the call of God for this new season. And we're faithful and obedient to take that step and to follow after God, follow after the Lord as he leads us into every new moment. Karl Barth, the famous theologian, said, he must pass, and he was talking about Abraham here, he must pass from a well-known past to a future that is only just opening up. If you're going to follow God's call on your life, you're going to have to pass from, from a well-known past to a future that is just opening up, a time of trust and faith. As a church in this season, we are trusting in God as he leads us into the future we are giving together, we are fasting together, we're praying together, and we invite you to join us as we do it. Thank you so much, Anchor Church, for being on this journey with us. Make sure you don't miss Wednesday. We're going to talk more about this adventure and that next step that we're taking, and we're going to build a great church in this city that will share the hope of Jesus in a powerful way.